Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Zealous State of Mind podcast. You have the Guru of Games, proudly brought to you by the West West Network. Today's episode is brought to you by the West West Network. You can check out all our latest podcast episodes, articles, and everything that's happening at westwest.com. And just to stay up to date with everything that's happening there as well. Today's guest is Andrew Fraser. Uh, he's a good friend from uh, when I was in Newcastle, playing rugby for the Hamilton Hawks. Also, I will connect it through there, through rugby, and then also through uh, CrossFit, CrossFit Newcastle. That's, that's where I started my CrossFit journey many, many years ago. But um, yeah, we stayed in touch a little bit through uh, social media. And he's, had, he's recently retired from the cops. 19 years of service, so it's a long time. He was also always an awesome guy, very positive, uh, optimistic type of guy, very encouraging. Um, back then, I think he was maybe 40 or something like that, but he was still beating, beating me and all the other guys in uh, some of the workouts too. So he's a very fit guy, um, stayed in shape. But now it's good to chat with him, good to catch up. Uh, we talked about um, you know things you should know before getting into the cops. Um, should, you, should you be in shape and to what degree? as a cop, um, that type of stuff. The uh, addicted to chaos, you know, when you're a cop, I learned from my cousin that uh, he's a new he's a new cop, that um, you get used to things going on all the time and you get addicted to the chaos of it all. So we talked about that and uh, how to navigate through that sort of side of things. Mental health, seeing and uh, a lot of bad things, uh, being yelled at, sworn at, but also being at the scene of an accident and the people passing away. And, and breaking the news to family members and friends, pretty rough stuff. So he talks about that and how how they get help from um, from from the services, uh, mental mental health sort of things. Uh, we talked about leadership, you know, some of the things that works for him as a as a as a leader, and, and the ways that he's had to adapt as a leader. Times gone on and times have changed. Seal fits is one of the hardest things he's done. He talks about that fifty hour. Challenge, I'm not challenge, 50 hour mental, mentally, I mean, maybe mental challenge uh, thing that he's done. He explains that. Uh, and yeah, we talk about life after cops. You know, he's got into coaching, two years out of the cops, so 19 years being in the service, big party identity. It, it can be pretty rough moving on. And so yeah, we would catch up, um, good catch up in general, and, and uh, talk about the cops and then. Life after rugby, ah, uh, life after cops with rugby. So yeah, tune in. Um, hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. Zealous, zealous state of mind. This is the zealous state of mind. Zealous state of mind. Yeah, it's the state of mind. But, um, yeah, that, we took a few guys to get this happening, didn't we? We got there, mate. We got there. <laughs> I thought we I was got... talking to the Undertaker for a second. Oh, look at it. I <laughs> know. Oh, Holy dooly. It's a bit long these days, but uh, no need for a haircut where I am at the moment. So, yeah. Nice Hold on relaxed. to it. Hold on to it as long as you can. Oh, while well, I still got it, Jay-Z, mate, 100%. <laughs> 
while I've still got it. Yeah, my um, my brothers they both go on bold, and every t- every time I catch up with my middle brother, he's always giving me shit about it. Eh? <laughs> still having mate, hair and that, yeah. mate. You'll always have a good head of hair there, Johnny. And that beard, <laughs> mate. That beard, the beard's pretty solid as well. Yeah, yeah. Had it for a while, a few years, yeah. but inspired from the uh, 300 movie. Beautiful. And that was sort of around, you know, the CrossFit days. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, and, and it all started getting real, like, metro sort of thing. Yep. And I didn't I didn't want to roll with that, you know. I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm taking a stand. Well, mate, it suits you. It suits you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to still be uh, – Masculine, you know, have hair and whatnot, not shave your legs and stuff like that. Nah, <laughs> mate. Embrace, embrace your masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and you well over there. So, you guys still in lockdown in Auckland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we went. You know how they you got to wait for the next yeah. thing is on Monday. I think it's on Monday. Yeah, so a couple yeah, more days, okay. and then you guys. How are you guys going in, in Sydney? So where I am in northern New South Wales, we've avoided lockdown, but. You know, Sydney and Newcastle still in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, and look, mate, where we are, we, we border onto Queens, the Queensland border, but we can't get across. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, look, it's frustrating, but uh, look, it's not forever, mate. We, we, I think we are, we're getting there, I think is the best way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you guys are free and stuff like that. Very blunt, mate. We're very, very lucky to, to get away with what we get away with. So, look, at, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, um, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Uh, but we just—I think everyone's just looking forward to the next couple of weeks into the, before Christmas. Yeah, it's Ballinray, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Ballin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just near um, Byron Bay. I'm about oh. 15 minutes from Byron Bay. Oh, nice, nice. So right on the coast there. Yeah, mate, on the coast, uh, on the beautiful. coast, and about 40 minutes from the Gold Coast Airport. So, oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty central, mate. We're, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky in many respects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where are you from originally? I know we connected mate, at, uh, you know, Hamilton and Newcastle, but where are you from originally? Mate, I'm born and bred Canberra. In Canberra, I was. Oh, yeah. I, I left Canberra about 21, uh, sorry, 22 years of age to 23, sorry, to join the police. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We might as well get into that sort of role. Yeah. Uh, naturally, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and <laughs> how, you got, how you got into the cops and stuff like that. Mate. So I was born and bred in Canberra. I went to uh, an all-boys Catholic school, Maris, in Canberra. So that was kind of my roots in rugby um, for a long time. was pretty lucky to play in a pretty hot team. We had a couple of superstars. Namely, one was Joe Roth in our school oh, first man. 15 team. Yeah, he's yeah. the man. Yeah, Joe Roth's mate. the man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we were, you know, I was lucky to have a, a good upbringing at school. Um, you know, my Family pretty much provided for everything that we, we wanted as kids. So that that, that led me uh, down a pretty good path. I, I had uh, a child to a relationship, uh, Charlotte. She was born in 1999. Yeah. And I was kind of, I'd been to uni. I'd been to uni for a couple of years doing primary school teaching. So I was in my final six months of finishing my primary school teaching degree. Yeah. And I left. Six months? Yeah, six months to go. Oh, I know. Um, is that when you, had, when, when you had your first child? Is that, is that why? No, nah, well, I, mate, I was playing rugby and I thought I was going to be a, a, um, a world-famous rugby player. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, the Brumbies had begun and everyone was kind of angling towards getting contracts and I had some friends who were getting contracts. So I 
put all my eggs in one basket to play rugby and literally just found out I wasn't good enough. So um, I ended up... It wasn't even up, an injury. It wasn't even an injury. Right. Sadly, and not, not sadly, it was the beginning of professionalism. You know, a, a lot of people had opinions up then and uh, and literally I was just wasn't in the mould of, of what they were after. So um, that dream died pretty quickly and I, I went in and worked for the public service oh. and then I met... What position was you, uh, the rugby player, back then? I, I was a back rower. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tried to be an open side, but I was uh, not fast enough. And then I played a little bit of number eight. Uh, but because I was just at the home in the back row, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit um, short for back row. You sort of see the, the flanks a bit more, eh? I yeah. mean, just in terms of height, just in terms of height. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, I think, mate, at, at that at that time of the game, like you look at someone like Hooper now, who's 5'10", so he's a little bit shorter than I. But... You know, when, when I was getting about, uh, like Cronfeld was one of the key All Blacks at the time, but he was 6'1". Uh, and then, then the guys around the 6'2", 6'3", mark, you know, open side flankers, that's what they were looking at because they wanted they wanted height to have a, a jumping option. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, look, it was – it, it, it didn't phase me, but I just knew that I wasn't good enough to be a professional rugby player. So I worked in the public service and I, I, I met my um, daughter's mother and uh, we had a relationship. Charlotte was born, uh, and then I realised I need to get a job. I need to do something better with my life, and I ended up joining the New South Wales Police. Yeah. What did you want to do when you were young? Like, it was just the rugby? That was the main dream? Yeah. As far I, back as you can remember? Pretty much like most ambitious kids. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I, I went to university to do teaching, and I enjoyed yeah. teaching, but I just didn't feel I was cut out for it. So then I ended up, um, you know, I wouldn't mind being a teacher or, or a PE teacher. I think everyone wants... Every young boy wants to be a PE teacher at one yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would have been a good um, teacher. Oh, look, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed yeah. the practical side of things and being in the classroom. But um, I just academically, I just wasn't cut out for university or I just didn't didn't really fit the mould. So anyway, look, I, I took a punt and joined the police and um, that was probably the next two decades of my life, nearly 20 years. Yeah. And how many siblings, uh, brothers, sisters and that? But I've got a, a younger brother and sister, so my my brother's a couple of years younger than I. He's still in the police, yeah. And then my sister, uh, she's two years younger than I, and she's back in Canberra as well. Yeah, yeah. And upbringing, there was the old um, parents. You said they were pretty supportive and all that. Um, with whatever you guys pursued and education, yeah. Yeah. Were they pretty hard on you? I was pretty lucky. Um, I, you know what? To be honest, I was a really naughty teenager. I was. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was rebellious and I think mum and dad hung in there. Um, I loved my sport. I was pretty lucky. I was, I was lucky as a, as a school-age footballer. You know, I was played in some representative teams, so that kind of filled the void for me for a long time. Um, so, look, yeah, again, I, I, I didn't have to want for much as a child. I, I was really lucky. Typical jock, eh? Pretty much, man. I just loved football. Like rugby back in those days was yeah. three nights a week or four nights a week at school and then play on Saturdays. So it was... Um, yeah, it was, it was a it was, good fun. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got into you got into the cops, eh? What was it 22 yeah. or something like that? Uh yeah, yeah. So I joined and that was I joined uh when the Sydney Olympics was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2000. So um I got out just before Christmas and I was posted to Sydney for three for for the first five nearly six years. Yeah. What, um, you know, like, because you could have went so many ways. What was it about the cops that made you, you wanted to go into there? That uh, that's a good question because 
Um, look, a friend of mine had joined and some other friends of mine had were in the cops and I was like, I don't know. I don't know whether I was a real uh, moralistic person, but I just, I think, believed in right from wrong. And uh, I don't know, it was a noble career and I guess working working for the people kind of situation. So once I joined, you know, I just, I, I did, I loved it. It was, uh, it was hard, but I, I, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And then, um, so you did 19 years, eh? 19 years. And um, yep, yep. when I, you know, we were connecting at Newcastle through rugby and um, CrossFit, um, you yep. were like a detective or something like that, eh? Yep. On that so stage? Was, yep. So I joined when I was in Sydney and I became a detective when I was in Sydney. So I was, I was a detective for about nearly 16 years of that, of that time span in the police. Wow. So three years it took you to crack in there? I was pretty lucky. Yeah, I was in uniform for for nearly eighteen months, and then kind of drifted into plain clothes. And then um, I was really fortunate. I became a detective after about four years of being in the police. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it served me out for the next fifteen years of my career. Yeah. Uh, my um, my cousin's recently joined joined the cops over here, and he's probably like been under a year. But uh, it was cool just talking, you know, his training and you know yep. what he had to do. But one thing that stood out to me was he. They, they warned them about um, the addiction to chaos. And so, like, you know, you finish or you're off work, but you always you, you start to check your phone because you want to sort of see what's going on with the drama and what, yep. what, what are the guys, are, you know, your teammates up to and, and that sort of yep. thing. How, how is that for you? Is that true or is it look, you it's able funny to separate because, it? Yeah, look, uh, for a long time, um, I became... You know, I was almost 24-7 cop, you know, like you're just living and breathing it. You are, you... you, you you want to find out what's going on. You're, you're connected. You, you you become uh, really switched on, and, and it's a trap for a lot of young police people because they don't know how to switch off when they come home from work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the secret of being a good police person is learning when to switch off, come home, leave your work behind, and then um, you know spend time with away from work. Yeah. So you saying you were twenty four seven for was that in your earlier years? Is that right? <laughs> Oh, look, uh, probably initially for a while there, and then just different stages of being a detective. Like sometimes you, you, you know, you're on call, so you get called out in the middle of the night and you go off to to do a job, or I don't know, you're in the middle of an investigation. It just dominates so many facets of your life. Like, yeah, it's just in your in your thought space for so for for such an ingrained period of time. Um, you've got to learn, and that's you know, for me, like going to the gym and. Uh, rugby and, and CrossFit, that just those environments of the gym, like that, that they bring fulfillment or other interest to your life. So it's nice to to, to create that space. Yeah, yeah. Was your missus like um, getting in your ear? Like, I don't know, we're <laughs> talking about your work stories. <laughs> that sort of stuff, well, or what? My, was she pretty good or what? How was that? So, uh, my, my wife is or was a policewoman at the time. So she oh, was okay, a detective yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but we, when we initially met, like we, we, we were pretty adamant that we didn't have to come home and talk about work. Like we, you know, you just find other interests. You enjoy being in each other's company and um, she liked playing touch football or going to the gym. So that we kind of always developed little things where we could just forget about work and, and, and put, put work away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, true. Did you guys watch like police shows and that together? Or- <laughs> so, <you know, laughs> I would have did this, I would have did that or whatever. Mate, it's not uh, real. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> look, 
Well, I, I think we, we watched a really good series. So you may have heard of The Wire, which was an American. Yeah. That, 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 that was excellent. That's a really excellent, you know, really police-like uh, drama. So there's, there's some TV shows we watch that are really like, oh, that, that's exactly what the cops are like. And then you watch others and you're like, oh, I can't watch this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, being in shape, I know because you're, you're, you're a real fit follower, you know, in Newcastle. I mean, I know you've maintained your fitness and, you know, which is awesome. Um, how, like, do you have to be fit to be a police lad? And to what level do you reckon? Like, how, yeah, what do you reckon it's, with that? It's a good question, uh, Jay-Z, because, you know, they, they have fitness standards to get into the police. And then yeah. once you're in, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, you're in. So you don't need to, to maintain it. Um, I'm a big believer that, you, that it should be upheld. And I think in, in Australia, and namely New South Wales, they're, they're now looking at maintaining standards throughout your, your career. Yeah. Because physical health is ultimately mental health and mental health can be reflective of your physical health. So um, there's some big aspects uh, to, to those that, that, that certainly equate. Um, but sadly, you know, there's not, there's not rigorous, rigorous annual testing for everyday police at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's just left to the, the officer to, to basically maintain their own health. Uh, do you think there should be more... Um rigorous testing in terms of uh, who they who they take into the service or not or it's pretty spot yeah. on or how do, how do you yeah yeah look they're getting a lot better i think they're they're realizing that um they're realizing that they want people with life experiences like i think young people who join the police like probably in in their late teens 18 19 year olds could be just a little bit too young yeah um yeah and that's not discriminatory to those people i think they just the it's a job where you need some life experience behind you. And if you've dealt with people or angry people in your life or, you know, just dealt with experiences in your life, like, then you're better off equipped to handling it um, when you're confronted with it with your uniform on or, or the badge on. Yeah, yeah. Like getting yelled at, sworn at and all that sort of stuff. You know, going into a shift, do you, what do you have there, like a triple shot? Uh, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you sort of prepare for that? Um, Look, you know, it's... it's it's funny that we talk about this because, uh, you know, like say CrossFit or just, just fit people or, or particularly rugby, like, you know, you, you, you hydrate, you eat well before you start your shift. If you, if you're well hydrated, then you've got a good uh, attention span. Um, you know, if you eat well, then you're going to, uh, your body's going to respond to those things better. So that, oh, that was always a bit of a cornerstone for me, which was making sure you, at least if you're physically fit and mentally and then eating the right stuff, then it's just, just helps. I mean, I've worked with cops who have, you know, drinking coffee the whole night or uh, drinking Red Bulls or whatever they were, you know, monster energy drinks. Um, I get it, but mate, sometimes you get enough adrenaline throughout the shift where you don't need you don't need caffeine through your veins. Yeah, yeah. So there's always sort of some sort of action most nights for uh, or most you know shifts and that for you guys. Oh, generally, look, I mean, some days were better than others, and then some days can be just the most chaotic things you've ever experienced in your life, and yeah. Um, the, the adrenaline that, that, that goes through your veins uh, when you're confronted with just something that's not real or just unbelievable, uh, that drives you for quite some time. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll hear about that people come home from work and they're just, the, the adrenaline's still pumping through, through yeah. you through, for, for some time. So that's when you've got to start learning different strategies or principles to try and calm yourself down. Yeah, my mate, he's, he's a nurse and, um, you know, he, he would... Uh, the ones where like he'll turn up to their house and give them their medication and stuff like that. And what, what, you know, he was saying that um, he rocked up and um, 
he got sad news that the person had passed away. And then the father came out, was just blasting, blasting him. And he just wore mm. it, you know, because, you know, he just lost his son. It wasn't due to him. No. He, he um, committed suicide and stuff like that. And, and he, he sort of, he went home. Oh, he went back, you know, he got told that uh, to go home and, you know, he, he was done for the day sort of thing. Yeah, yep. it's, it's Mental Health Week over here. Like, and he said he, that was on him for a while, you know. Like, how, how do you sort of deal with things like that, big, big things like that, you know, suicide and um, deaths and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, Look, for, for a long time of my career, you just develop a response. Like, it, it's really, it's a real, it's a skill that you learn where, you, you know, you're dealing with the most tragic event in someone's life or some family's life and you're, you're telling them that they're, you know, a sibling or, or, or parent or someone has passed away and you need to be in control of your emotions. So you just learn to really switch that part of your emotional brain off and you become a professional and deal with it. Uh, and then, you know, for, for so long, uh, that kind of sits in the, in your memory banks, but uh, it, it can take a toll long term. Um, and, you know, towards the end of my uh, career, like I, I was probably what you would call emotionally numb. So you're dealing with people's insensitive, <laughs> sensitive events in people's lives and you've just got no emotional response. And it's, it's, it's quite telling um, in hindsight now because it's just amazing that I was able to deal with some really tragic situations and you've got no emotions attached to it. So right. um, it, it's a challenge. Yeah. It takes a sort of certain type of temperament, like type of person, you know, like um, no, it's not for everybody. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, yeah. I, some people you'll see will join um, first response jobs like ambulance, fire or police and, and they'll do it for a couple of years and they just realize that it's not comfortable for them. And then, then, they, they will leave that that job. But um, that, that said, like, uh, as I said, the skills that I learned over time, you learn to be, become a little bit more resilient and handle the, the emotional situations. But, yeah, you know, as I said, eventually it, it can catch up and creep up on you. And, you know, you said it's Mental Health Month there or Mental Health Week in New Zealand this week. Um, it's, it's really important to take stock of yourself and, and check in on yourself and your workmates. And, uh, you know, if something isn't right, then um, have a conversation or at least identify with that person and maybe talk about if they need to get help because it's, um, it's important to check in on people. Do you guys have a lot of, uh, I guess, support from, you know, the, the cops in terms of, um, talk, you know, talking to a specialist and yep. all that sort of stuff they check in? How, yeah, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I guess some of the more traumatic scenes that you go to, they now have a psychologist that will come out and speak to the officers. Um, there's phone services through uh, the employment assistant program, so that, that they offer psychologists or different levels of, of help to kind of assist officers if they've been to something traumatic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I I felt comfortable speaking to psychologists during my career. Uh, I think it's a, a good tool. I think it's a work tool. They're giving it to you to use. So it's nice to debrief with them and work through some of the thoughts or feelings you may be having at that at time. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it's handy to use if you can, if you can, or you require them. Mm. Yeah, I worked at a youth prison for about a year and a half, and um, we had someone come wow. in and uh, talk to it. You know, they, if you needed some support and help and stuff like that, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that was a part of the thing, you know, but just yep. in case you went through something, so they, they yep. take a long path and all yep. that. Stuff. 
Oh, oh man, that's pretty cool. Eh? So it'll be uh, pretty important for you guys as well. Eh? You know, like you said, towards the end, you sort of got you got used to it almost. So you want go to a scene and come home and watch the rugby and have a beer like nothing happened. <laughs> was it, mate? To, to be <laughs> fair, it was. I, I just could feel within myself, like yeah, you know, I, I I went to an incident, and, and it was emotionally really traumatic and. Uh, I just had no feelings and I, I, I knew that was strange. And then I think that was kind of the downfall towards the end of my career because I just knew that I couldn't keep carrying on like that. And then I went to a couple of events by the ocean here, particularly one which was quite tragic, which was, which was a shark attack, a fatal, fatal shark attack. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, I, I, I dealt with it in my own way. I was pretty emotionally numb there for a while and then it crept up on me and, and you know, it came back to get me eventually because – just all the emotions that were attached with the whole community going through the tragedy of a shark attack. It was, um, it was a bit frightening. Um, but you know what, I, I, as I realized now, like, that's just a human response. So, um, yeah, it was, it was certainly an interesting chapter in my life. Mm. So you'd know a lot, a lot about, um, emotions and different like things like that through your experiences there and just having to know, uh, that's something that I'm, I've only just been learning about having two, two daughters <laughs> and uh, and my wife and stuff. It's like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff to it. Eh? <laughs> I think I'm yeah. pretty um pretty non-emotional naturally, you know. Um, it takes a lot of effort. Um, I, I reckon, uh, Johnny, that coaching is a great um, introduction to learning about emotions and learning to be in control of your emotions. And like you see it in the gym, you see people. People might get a PR or they, you know, they blow up that they didn't get a PR or um, you'll see people come in to the gym who have had a bad day at work and you've got to get them through that, that hour or you'll see people that are on top of the world and you've got to learn to calm those people down. So, and then, mate, when you've got your own children and, and your family life as well, like it's, yeah, it's just something that comes with life experience. Mm. I think for me, the biggest thing that's helped me is that, um, I didn't know what empathy was um, uh, until, until I started um, running the, the gym with my, my family, you know, um, yep. I like, you know, really had to try to understand where people are coming from and their lifestyles and their stresses and their work life uh, balance sort of thing, you know, trying to, yep. um, it wasn't natural at first, but then I, you know, talking to different people and trying to help, um, help me understand where they're coming from and that because i was like how, how are you not motivated you know and how how, are you, how, how come you say you're not eating well you know i just didn't get it you know but then you know this whole whole thing to it hey life and where, where you're from and right. raw trauma there's, there's so many different things there that can affect it it's the great it's the great puzzle like you know well how can so many people be so different but that's the beauty of it and that's that's the the essence of being a good coach is understanding that everyone is different and then you just got to find out the best way to make that person tick. Mm. Um, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a physical goal. Like it's just a nice mental goal or even just a handshake or a hug it means a mm. lot to a lot of people. Yeah. I think um, I listened to a podcast recently. It was about trauma and uh, it made me think that um, I don't think I had uh, trauma until I had my, um, my first, I had a divorce. I had a divorce. Yep. And um, remarried. But I, I think that was, I, I was, I'm quite blessed that I don't think I had trauma as a kid. Cause, yep. Because like talking to different people, you can see there's trauma somewhere. I don't know what it yep. is. Yeah. You know, but just the way they communicate or they just, they can't look you in the eye, like the way they yep. walk around, you know, whatever it is, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, I was like, 
uh, I realized oh, I didn't really have like a big, you know, you have ups and downs, you cry and things like that, but nothing really bad until, yeah, until me and um, I separated from my first um, wife. That was probably like yep. the first thing that really rocked my world, you know? And I know there's it's, more coming, but that, yeah, until then, like, I didn't really realize. But now I sort of have a bit more um, empathy and, you know, try to understand people better, um, knowing that there was some, there's something, you know, we've all got to 100%. 100%, man. That's the, as I said, that's the, the complexity of life, but realize that everyone's come from different journeys. And sometimes some people on the, the up part of the roller coaster, or sometimes <laughs> some people on the down part of the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say, um, like, I guess, like a tip so on getting into the cops? What, what, what are some things, uh, key things that they should know? Look, I, 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 I guess it's nice to be well read and, and read about different people and, and have a wide range of life experiences. Like, um, I, I, I personally, I like reading about people. So, because that's what the job is you're dealing with people. Mm. Uh, from different walks of life, different communities. It's not just all Anglo-Saxon or uh, Indigenous people. Like, you know, there's there's um, foreign people, there's a lot of ethnic groups in the, in different communities. So you've got to learn to appreciate what, where some people have come from in their life. Mm. Um, I think that's a big one. Uh, you've got to be prepared to, to solve people's problems on the spot. So uh, with that just comes, I guess, the, the ability to think on your feet. Um, I guess one skill, if I, if I had this skill to go forward into the cops, I probably would have learned to have done yoga or meditation as a young person. Right. Um, I'm a big believer in, I only learned the skill of meditation since I've learned, left the police and man, it's just the ability to control your thoughts or, or slow your body down, your mind down would, would be a really valuable skill for any young person joining the police. Mm. What age do you reckon? What, uh, I guess it's different for everyone, but some sort of range, like 24 to 27 yep. or something like that? Yep. Or I, roughly? I, I, I think if you could join probably after your 22, 23, yep. um, I think that's a good age group because you've just had some life experiences leaving school and then you've been in the, the wide world in the workforce for a couple of years, so you get an appreciation of what, what it is like to actually make a hard dollar or not, yep. not have money in your pocket. So uh, that's probably not, not a bad spot for people to be in. Yeah, and what uh, what's your practice now with your meditation? What what um, what are you doing, um, mate? So I, I I learnt transcendental meditation. Uh, it was actually part of getting out of the police. So that I was able to to learn that that skill. So that's that's um, two twenty minute blocks during the day where you just basically assign twenty minutes of just personal quiet time. So I, at the moment, I'll, I'll try and get up first thing in the morning. I just light some incense, and I've got a little prayer stool that I kneel on and just drop out for 20 minutes and then during the day just try and find 20 minutes in the afternoon to, to do the same what are you doing like certain breath, uh, breath uh, work or um, thinking about what are you thinking or not thinking what, so you, you're on? learning the skill you're learning the skill of not thinking yeah um, so you're really just concentrating the, the way that the, my teacher told me it's like sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor and just trying to have that peace of being on the bottom of the ocean floor and imagine yourself, <laughs> imagine yourself starting at the top of the ocean and then just dropping deeper, deeper, deeper towards the bottom of the floor. And then you get to that state where you're just in, in rest or calm for the rest of the, the 20 minute period. So um, look, it's, <laughs> as I said, I, I, I wouldn't have believed it till I tried it. 
<laughs> and, was it not uh, comfortable at first? Uh, yeah, for me, because of, I was just so wound up leaving the police, so it took me a while just to get the skill. Yeah. But the guy, you know, said you develop a routine around it. And as I said, I, I really like burning incense um, just to kind of get me in the mood. I, I was listening to some weird, not music, but just these monotone beats there for a while just to try and get myself uh get my my mind right but i've got myself to a state where i can just sit in in nature now and just drop off oh nice yeah i got into um the headspace for a little bit um yeah i think maybe two years and now i don't really need it um i can sort of do it on my own got some you know you, you, you gain some tools that you can just use when you when you need to uh, i know there's a lot of other stuff i've heard of the I, the, the style you do the trans transcendental yeah yeah i haven't done that i just done the, the headspace stuff and that yep. sort of works for me it's like it's like i've um i usually i used to do when i was at the box like somewhere between one and like two and like it was like um i woke up again it's like yeah so like from the morning till midday or one you know you're busy and stuff like that, your mind's full of stuff and then I would do it, and then I felt like my mind was clear again. But if yes. I didn't do it, it felt like still like quite foggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adrenaline, you know. Yeah, yeah, thing. mate. I, it's like I started again. I, I love the day. It, look, that that box breathing is another one that everyone talks about. So I, I did when I left the cops. I went and did that the seal fit program, and that 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 was all based around box breathing and a lot of ice baths and cold, you know, cold water immersions and. Um, yeah, you know, just learning to control yourself and, and slow your heart rate down is a, it's a, it's a, it's a good skill within itself. Yeah, how was that seal fit thing? Um, that's <laughs> uh, one of the most, that'd be one of the most challenging things, eh? It was without doubt one of the most physical events. Fifty hours, um, yeah, in California there in the coastal environments, surrounded by some Navy seals, just kind of giving it to you for fifty hours straight. So it was. Um, Oh, it was good because it, it just shows to you, Johnny, and you know this, but it just shows you that you can go, your, your body can go if your mind's ready. Man, what did you do? Is you just like, oh, I think I can, do, like, what, what inspired you to do that? Like, <laughs> I had been thinking about it for a couple of years. Um, and then, look, it just, just coincided that when I was leaving the police, there was time to do it. So, uh, you know, I knuckled down, did my training, uh, trained, solidly like every day for about nine months beforehand um they've got a specific program and you just you just trained every day like it was out of control mm. well, well well um training wise like how many you how many hours like because it's 50 hours so you sort of have a fair bit day so most days so that their training program is a two-hour training program so there's be like a a, a, a weight lift, a, a lift, in, a lift at the beginning of the session. Then there would be some kind of metcon that would go for fifteen to twenty minutes, and then they'd have a finisher that could go for another fifteen or twenty minutes. And then throughout, it just it took two hours to complete the session. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, you just learn to embrace the suck. They, they, you learn all these key sayings, but the reality is, you just learn to just grind away. Is that Mark Devine? Eh? Mark Devine, is it? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the CrossFit; it was pretty big. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got there for a while. Like everyone was kind of going down that route there, and people wanted to, to try it. And yeah, we met Mark during our course and met him afterwards. Subsequently, and yeah, he was really giving, um, generous human being. And yeah, I, again, 
it's not for everyone, but it, it's, it, it took me down my, my, my journey there for, for a while and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. You said you, it sort of taught you about the sort of mental and the body. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Were, were that like sort of the main lessons what, that you got out of doing that, you know, that challenge? Sort of? and I, think, I think the reality is that you, if you put your mind to anything, you can do it. You've got to, the hard work does, does pay off. That's sort of the, you know, it's a catch cry that Fraser used during his um, – <laughs> <laughs> CrossFit Games campaigns, but the reality is, if you work hard and you want something and you put your mind to it, that it can be achieved. Yeah. Um, but you've got to just do the hard work, and that's that's important for people. Yeah, yeah. Man, Fifty hours. I remember watching um, some of those videos of Miko and that eh? Miko yeah. and Tommy Hackenbrock and that eh? Some of the CrossFitters. I think he was sort of laughing through it, um, old Miko, because he's a bit of a sicko. You look. During our, our course, like there's times where you, you, you have to you do nothing but laugh. Like there was a, a guy on our course, six foot ten, Alex Boone was his name. So yeah. he was an offensive lineman for San Francisco when they played in the core, the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the Super Bowl that got blacked out. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, he, six foot ten, Johnny, like he was massive. Monster. He, his, his biceps were the size of my thighs. How did he get on, mate? He he killed it. He crushed it. Like he was just so determined. And it, he said, uh, doing the seal fit was better than playing in a Super Bowl. Like it just, yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing experience to get through it. But again, like if a guy six foot ten, whatever his dimensions were, say three ten or three twenty pounds, and um, yeah, he just mate, he's just a beast. He just got through it. Yeah. Did you cry and stuff like that afterwards? You know, like just overwhelming. <laughs> you know, right. like something it's overwhelming, you know, like what you've been it, through and stuff for. It, it was look for for us personally, it was an overwhelming experience because you just you put you just put and de- dedicate so much mental and physical time to get there. You know, I was pretty lucky that my family supported us to, to get over there and do it. But uh, look, it was it ticks a lot of boxes um, and every day. Uh, I'm reminded by it, and I just, you know, it just reminds me that you hear people who say they can't do things. Well, guess what? You, you, you really can. You just got to put your, your energies into it. Yeah. So that was sort of the hardest thing. What is the next hardest thing you've done since then? <laughs> well, I thought I'd take up running. Yeah. Uh, so I did an ultra. I did an ultra marathon last year. That was 50 k's. Oh, yeah. Um. That was in December last year, and I've re- I've just recently done another marathon, and that was the 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 ultra marathon was grueling, but the marathon I just did because I, I tried to do the marathon as fast as I could, and uh, I just fell apart. The last seven k's, six k's, I was a, I was a mess. Yeah, where'd you um, where'd you end up running? Oh, four hours twenty. I wanted to go sub four hours. Yeah. Um, oh look. Again, just a good experience because it just reminds you that you can get there and you, you're not going to die. Um, yeah. You just got to put the training in. So um, that, that was certainly pretty tough. Like, obviously, there's always different challenges in your life, but you know, I think the running was good because it just showed to us that you, you can do things, Andrew, so just get on with it now that you're done and move on to the next chapter. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we, we, did, um, uh, we did a marathon um, it was right in the thick of when I was a CrossFit disciple and um, oh, I just wanted to prove you could do it off CrossFit training. So we, yeah. we, we did two runs, like a one, maybe three hour, three yeah. hour run. 
um, three hour run through like through the oh no it's more of a hike so it was, yeah it's more of a um, hike and then uh, through the bushes yep. and stuff and then we yeah, did yeah. Uh, we did a, a 13, 14 k run and then that was it and then we yeah wow. did it, but I took forever I took like five hours <laughs> took yeah but I was still good I was sore for my I was I think my fitness was fine it was just the joints my joint yep. it wasn't conditioned for that yeah. Yeah. It just takes the loading on your joints for a while. So I, for me, the, the run wasn't too bad. It's just muscularly for, for us older fellas, you just your muscles start to, to run out of gas there. So yeah. um, anyway, I um, I take my hat off to those who have done marathons uh, and got rid of that chapter of their lives. And there's still people that do, love doing it. So um, yeah, oh, look, I'm glad, I'm glad I've done it. And I just look forward to what lies ahead, whatever that may be next. Uh, you got you got uh, anything on the works at the moment, or not? Not yet. Not at the moment. In terms of challenges and things like that. No, not yet. Yeah, look, I, no, not not yet, Johnny. I, I'm, I've got my eyes open. I wouldn't mind doing a triathlon, but um, I'm not a really good swimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about the triathlon we'll, we'll, for a while as well. See, mate. Look, I. I I won't say no to anything at this stage. I'm just curious to, to try all different things and see where it goes. Um, leadership, man, this is a big, big part of um, your job. And then what, what, what are some of the key things that you learned through, you know, working in the cops for 19 years about leadership? Mate, um, leadership is, a, is another skill that takes time to learn. Um, you need to be confident in what you're going to decide. You've got to be considerate of what's going on. Um, and work towards what's best for everyone else. Um, I got went to a presentation as, as a detective. The, the New South Wales Police had a thing called the Senior Detectives Course, and they gave some great speakers there. And there was a gentleman who gave us a speech who told us that he, he uh, met with a, a general in Iraq, and it was a US general in Iraq, and in his office was a sign that said, what have you done for the people of Iraq today? And it just uh, reinforced that leadership is doing stuff for other people um, and, and having in mind the goal, which is the service of people and doing the best for, for, for what the people need. And I think that there's a couple of key, key points in that, Johnny, but the reality is, is you, you service for other people and being confident about it. Nice. Um, as a parent, like, you know, Knowing what's out there with all the weirdos and uh, different things that can happen, um, are you over? How are you as a parent? You know, you know, seeing so much more, like like a million times more than a normal person would. Um, yeah. How are you with your kids and stuff like that? Uh, it's good. But my, my wife and I, I think we've always let our kids have a, a pretty. We've, we've, we're not over. We're not over protective of them because. We live in a, a really nice part of the world, but we're, we, you know, you keep your eyes on and ears on what's going on. Um, you know, if your child was going to be in any danger, we, you'd always intervene. But, but you know, uh, you'll be more sensitive towards uh, it. You know, like uh, there's um, cars coming around too quick, or that guy over there looks a bit dodgy. You know, that type of thing. Like yeah. that, the average joke yeah. wouldn't pick yeah. up on. You know, yeah. to be more yeah. sensitive to those oh, type of mate. things. You go to you go to public places, and I can you can see them from a mile away, and you just like come over here, kids, stay away from that person, or um, yeah, that that you're always mindful of shady people, I guess, in in public. Um, so, but that said, you know, we, we, 
you know, you want you want your kids to, to live a life that's full of experiences as well. So we're, we're mindful, but we're not overprotective. Um, like life life threatening uh, situations, you had you had quite a few of those in your time there, or how, how, yeah. <laughs> nah. Look, I, I was pretty fortunate. We had, we had a couple of hairy moments during the police. Um, yeah, I had my gun out maybe two times tops. Uh, one was probably more hairy than the other, but. Um, not, not so much life-threatening. I've certainly turned up to life-threatening situations for other people, uh, and that's, you know, that's confronting for them, and you just got to guide them through it and, and respond as best you can. So, uh, yeah, for, fortunately for us, my, my life wasn't threatened, but I've sadly been around others where their life has been, and you just got to help them through it as best you can. Mm. Well, man, that's, that's pretty awesome that you only had to, you know, pull out the gun a couple of times. We're pretty blessed in like, Australia and New Zealand, eh? like how safe it is and things like that. Like, we'll see stuff on the news going on around the world, and, like, there'll be, like, one thing that happens here, and, like, everybody blows up, but it's, like, one every now and again, like, not yeah. that often. Eh? I mean, not to yeah. say it's good, but it's, you know, generally it's really, really you, safe. You get this, Johnny, and some of you, you listeners, are, you know, I guess Kiwi guys that understand this. So from a rugby background, like you, you can tell when someone's going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and so uh, I'd turn up to a scene and my partner would be freaking out. But, you know, it's like, well, hang on, this is, mate, it, you just get it. You just learn how to communicate with people and calm them down a bit. Or you can tell when you can tell when something was not going to go right. Um, so most of the time, that's why communication is just a good skill to have. And communication is all about listening, not talking. Just about listening first and observing what's going on, and then and then talk after that. Yeah. And um, so nineteen years, and then you got. To, how, how was that transition, man? That must have been tough, eh? Like, yeah. You, that's your, like your identity, your, your yeah. policeman or whatever, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah, how was that? It, it was hard, mate. It, it's it's been it, it was challenging. The first first couple of uh, months and and you know, eighteen months or so was really challenging because it is it's an identity and you're you're accustomed to being, oh, that's Andrew Fraser, the police, police person or the detective. Uh, and then you don't have that identity anymore. And uh, you just got to learn to to move on with forming forming something that's more suited to what you, you want in life next. And, and you know, for, for us, I've been lucky to have rugby around, um, which has been good for us and, and coaching. But, uh, mate, it, it, it's hard to leave because you're institutionalised as well. Like, you get... <laughs> You know, you just learn different things in, in, in the police and, and it'd be the same with the, the military and, and ambulance and fire that you just, you're just accustomed to doing something for so long in your life. So mm. um, anyway, for me, fortunately, I've, I've, I've moved, I'm, I'm migrating on now and looking forward to the next couple of whatever the next chapter could be. Mm. Yeah, because like us as men, you know, we, we want to provide and, and, and do this, you know, our, whatever we do, like it gets tied up in our... Um, identity and stuff eh? like so yeah no, you've done well man like you're pretty uh, you know you've always been an optimistic um guy like what where does that stem from you reckon is that from your parents or is it just an innate thing or you know you've always been real <laughs> positive and encouraging from from what i've known you you know from back in newcastle mate uh, that's it's a good point because uh, um i don't know where it comes from look it's just within me that i there's a lot in life to live. Uh, I, I guess, and my, my mum, if she'll ever watch this, she'll testify. Like I, I was born premature, like really premature. 
uh, back in a time when they thought I wasn't going to live. And like, is it from birth then you just become optimistic because you, you, you made the most of it where you probably may have passed away? I don't know. But look, uh, I, I always think the glass is half, um, you know, half full. And uh, it just dropped out here a little I'm bit. I'm always going to be like that. I, I, I don't see myself changing. Um, so, so we had life after uh, you know cops. You've, you've got into your rugby coach today with the wildfires and stuff. I saw on some of your posts. Yeah, how's yeah. that been? That was good, mate. That was a year down in Newcastle, back in the um the old hometown for yourself. But yeah. um, that was it was really challenging. Um, a new franchise, given the, the yeah. They're just back in the competition. A lot of uh, imported players. So um, look, we had a lot of fun. We had a good setup there. Some good people, and um, you know that we didn't have the success we wanted this year. But I think next year they'll be really competitive. Mm. Well, um, what are you coaching this year? I mean, I know it's COVID and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, what's um, your team at the moment that you're working with? So I haven't. I'm I'll probably I'm back home now on the north coast. So I'm hoping to go back to Bond and coach. Help bond in the in the Premier Rugby in Brisbane in the Brisbane competition. It was just too demanding to be away from the family this year. Um, uh, look, I, I loved it, and and uh, Bubba and, and Sado, some familiar names to yourself. Uh, you know, like they, they've done really well in Newcastle, but I just couldn't commit another year. It was just probably a bit too taxing on the family. So, uh, might, maybe bond next year. Yeah, I get a few uh, texts from Bubba here and there saying, "You got any boys that be keen to come over and all that." You know, uh, <laughs> he was like, I need a winger and half and stuff. Well, oh, there's actually, you don't realise that guys are keen, man, but they, they don't want to leave their family over yeah. here. We, we got a lot of boys, or we had a few boys from South Auckland, so Mangare, um, yeah. uh, Leon uh, Fukufuka, the, the halfback. Yeah. Um, other boys who have kind of been through Auckland or South Auckland, so... And we understand it is a big commitment to leave your family and come to Australia. Um, that's that's in the player to, to be com- comfortable enough to leave the family circumstances. But a lot of clubs over here are trying to do the best to, to create a family circumstance or environment for the players mm. so they can feel comfortable. But, you know, I appreciate you know, at the end of the day, family is first. And, and that's something that players have got to consider when they do leave. Yeah, I do try to encourage them though, to be honest, because I just like um, a lot of the guys here get stuck in their, um, their yeah. like little bubble, you know, and just just to go for a couple of years, play some rugby, yeah. meet some people. Because yeah. when uh, Billy came over, um, Billy Kamisi, you know, you know, it was cool, you know, he had some good life experience, and even if they come back, but you know, do a year or two, I, I think it's, I, I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, Look, it's it's an experience, guys, you know? yeah, just an experience, and. Yeah. And what's the worst? I always say to visiting players, look, if it doesn't work out, what's the worst? You can go exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I always try to encourage guys, but yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a tough thing. But must um, be good life there in New Zealand. Huh? Must be good <laughs> Man, I've been I've been trying to um, convince my wife. It's it's good here, man, but um, I miss the sun and the beach. <laughs> I miss the, uh, there is a beaches and stuff, but uh, it's it's probably like a thirty minute drive. But yeah, know, Newcastle yeah. is just down the road, and. Right. Um, but- Oh, part of my role this year was when the Kiwi boys would arrive, I, I'd put them in a car and Bubba, I'd make sure that we take them for a lap of the beaches first. And yeah. mate, when we, when I took Leon past the beaches, um, yeah, Lee's from Mongaray, like he was like, whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good, man. It's so good for you too, you know, just being in the ocean. and um, 100%. 
mate. Yeah. I, I, my hair does look a bit out of control. I'm not. A, I can't surf properly at all. But I, I love getting in the ocean as much as I can. And um, yeah, it's got, got a real positive energy to it that yeah. Um, yeah, certainly subscribe to. Yeah, yeah, same as me. I can't surf or anything, but yeah, just same as you. Just love getting love in the ocean water. as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, man, for a few questions, um, just the uh, greatest lessons your parents taught you. Greatest lesson your parents taught you. Wow, that's a good question. Oh, look, I think they just installed with us. Thought, yeah, if you work hard, then you'll get you'll get um, rewarded eventually for it. Um, and I guess the other thing, you know, but basically the family home is the heart. Uh, and you know, it took me a long time to to learn that, uh, but that's certainly something that I can value that my parents provided for us. That they gave us a great upbringing because it was just a good family home, and that's something that will stick with us for a long time. If if you could put a message on a billboard for people to see, um, you know, on the way to work, school, wherever they're going, what message would you put on the billboard? Oh, that's that's another good question. But but I, I, I'm, I'm a big subscriber that that, that hard work pays off um and in this day and age everyone's kind of looking for the shortcut or wants the, the secret code um or you know the, the dynamic powder that's going to change your life but the reality is that you just need to work hard <laughs> and you know that like there's you know i've got my, my young kids and and it's funny you know, they'll play games and everyone's looking for the cheat code to try and get from one level to the next and it's like Mate, there's no cheat code in life. It's just hard work. Yeah. It'd be like, you go, oh, can you help us out? What, what do you reckon with this and that? It's like, oh, you got to work hard. And like, what else is there? Is there, is there, is there other things <laughs> yeah. there? Is there? Is there something else as well? Sadly, that is it. But um, a bit of old school stuff, mate, like uh, it's just hard work. And, and, and um, I don't know, what do they say? The the sweat of, um, oh, I can't, can't recall it now, but basically <laughs> sweat is the Sweat is the cologne of achievement. That's probably the better one. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, 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 I've heard that one. Um, but how are you getting along? Like, with, I feel like I'm struggling a bit with the world changing. Um, yep. I'm trying to adapt. Um, yeah. Because I'm old school like yourself. Just, um, I don't know. It's, how, how are you going with that? How are you going with that? Is you, you adapting it right? Or? It's been challenging. Look, I, I, I don't like being at home. And um, look, it's confronting to, to kind of, be at home to be honest like device world's a different thing like i'm on my device probably far too often than i should be um that's that's a sad indictment of what we're, we're in now because we're trying to everyone wants the information of when things are going to change and yeah um look we, we just have to realize it's not going to be forever we're, we're in a, a pandemic and there's only been you know one in the last other hundred years so it just yeah. takes time to get on the other side of it yeah i mean also in terms of like um the hard work and all that, uh, that sort of attitude, you know, people, um, you know, with coaching, with rugby and everything like that, you know, you, you tell the kid off and they start crying and or, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. How, how have you um, adapted yeah. and handled that stuff? It, it's funny. Like I said to you before, I think you start to realise that sometimes a hug is just as good as a hard word. Um, <laughs> He's born into it. He's born. <laughs> nah, that's nice. nice. That, that, that is the changing culture these days is that, you know, when we're at, at school, you know, we, we, we got the cane. We were physically disciplined. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. And so the, that, that hard, hard nose or hard, hard edged approach to, to education and kids is gone away. And there's a lot more entitlement and, and acceptance. So 
for me, as I said, you've got to learn to connect with people. It's a high five and a hug rather than some hard words these days. And I think you develop that relationship um, first and foremost. And then, then you can issue hard words if they're not meeting your standards. So I think it just comes back to now, mate, we're just all about building relationships first. Um, and then, you know, if it requires a stern word after that, then that's, that's what has to happen. Uh, I know you're a bit of a well-read man. Uh, favorite book or something? Something you uh, recommend the most, or something that's uh, impacted your life in a big way? Something you read? Mate, I, I had to learn a poem for the Seal Fit course called Invictus. Mm. And I a couple I, of times, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got a, a, a stanza tattooed on my arm, um, and it just rings true that. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, mate, you just learn that you are the master of your ship um, and you're in control of yourself. So that was a, that's always been a key reading, uh, you know, something of like, and books wise, oh man, I, I, I read that too many books. Um, I'll tell you a book that I did enjoy, and this is for coaching. It was called Inverting the Pyramid, and it's about the history of soccer in England. Mm. And yeah, it was a random, like just totally weird book outside the square. Yeah, and um, it was just all about how the game has changed over 150 years, and you know it's still the same game, but it's just how much it's changed over the last 150 years. So, just because it's within the game, there's still a lot of rules and and structures that can change. So that was certainly something of interest. Yeah, and you said you read a lot of uh, is it like biographies and things like yep. that? Yeah, yep. yeah. What's what's uh, some favourites in there? Uh, the oh, one that just springs to mind straight up. So Colin Powell, who was the uh, the head of the U.S. Um, Army, I guess there at one stage, Colin yeah. Powell. He's got he, his book was excellent. Uh, Alex Ferguson, obviously that's a, a given as a as a soccer as a coach. Yeah. And then one for your readers outside the box. So I just finished reading Oliver Stone's book, The Movie Producer. All right, nice man. I, I got um. Biographies was like the first books I got into as well. Yeah. And then I started to get into other stuff. Yeah. And I've only just gotten back in. I've just read uh, Joey Johnson's book recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it the first um, biography I've read in a while, actually, because I've been reading other stuff. But I just felt like I wanted something light, you know, because I've always yeah. tried to read to learn, you know. Um, but um, no, it was good. And it was good sort of reminding me of home and stuff like that as well, uh, the places and people he, he was referring to. So I really enjoyed that. Again, it's just I don't know. Maybe it's from being a police officer, but I think I just love reading about other people's lives and just seeing what people have been through. And inevitably, books are, are a good starting point because they tell you about the, the beginning of their life, the middle of their life, and what's been going on at the end. So uh, a good, a good, a good way to understand people. Yeah. So, man, and our last question is just your definition of success. Oh, giving it your best shot. There, there we go guys there we have it Andrew Fa uh, Fraser appreciate your time man it's been a lot of fun it's, it's been Johnny fun great to catch up mate oh, yeah, I hope you're well over there stay safe um, during the next couple of weeks and uh, I look forward to crossing paths with you again soon mate cheers thanks thanks Rose.